1: Hey, it's Doug with an opportunity to catch up with Lisa Turkhurst and talk about her latest book. If you do not know, she is the president of Proverbs 31 Ministries, has a social media reach of more than 8 million, a New York Times bestselling author of more than 25 books with more than 6 million books in print. And we're talking about her most recent book here, which is You're Going to Make It. Lisa, thank you so much for making time.
2: Oh, thank you. It's an honor to be with you.
1: Well, we appreciate that. We had opportunity to uh, connect a couple years ago when you wrote your book, Uh, Forgiving What You Can't Forget. So glad to welcome you back and talk about this book, structured uh, in the form of 50 devotionals. Um, What was the inspiration for putting this out there?
2: Well, part of my inspiration is that I think many of us, when we experience pain or trauma or suffering of some sort, We want to know how long is it going to take to find healing, and we want healing to be a really linear process, but we can't just get over what hurt us. We have to go through it, and Mm. so I feel like this book will help people realize that trauma happens to us daily, so healing has to happen to us daily. And this is a beautiful way to introduce the rhythm of receiving from the Lord and releasing back to the Lord morning and evening, which is an important part of healing.
1: Okay, so we've got these 50 morning and evening devotionals. Can you break down how they're structured? What's what's the flow like each time?
2: Absolutely. So in the morning, you'll get a Bible verse and um, some insight or wisdom that's connected to that Bible verse just based on the transferable wisdom that I've had, you know, gained, that I really gained through the trauma that I've walked through and healed from. And then in the evening, you'll get another perspective that will just continue the morning thought, and then you'll be prompted to release something back to the Lord. So if you're experiencing certain feelings like bitterness or frustration, instead of going to bed and just laying in those feelings, it's a beautiful way to have a marked moment where you release them back to the Lord. Now, does that mean that you won't feel those same bitter feelings the next day? No, it's not a cure-all, but what it does do is give you marked moments where you have intentionally given things to the Lord that are too heavy for you to carry.
1: I love that because I think our tendency can be we just sort of we sort of sit in it because we don't know what to do. So this is giving us an action.
2: That's right. That's right. And, you know, when we when we go to bed at night, whatever we're thinking about tends to saturate us pretty deeply. And so I just I knew that I needed a new kind of rhythm in my life because sometimes when I'm crawling in bed and the house would be quiet and it was dark outside, that's when my brain started an emotional spiral, just mm. thinking through coulda, shoulda, woulda, or, you know, how long is this gonna take. And so it just I think when we introduce to our brain a new thing to think about, that's what it really means to take every thought captive and to make it obedient to Christ.
1: Mm. Mm, I love that. And then I understand that within the devotionals are, are photos, but not just any kind of photos. They have a very personal connection to you.
2: That's right. So one of the places that I found tremendous healing was going to the beach. And so Throughout the book, there are full-color pictures of me and some of my favorite healing places, and then just pictures of beautiful beach scenery and little things that you find at the beach and just things that were very meaningful to me during my healing journey. And part of it is because I wanted this book to be as pretty as any coffee table book. But the other part is I wanted people to see the healing process and that there can be beauty in, in amongst the ashes.
1: Well, you mentioned it earlier about uh, we want healing to be linear. And of course, we're impatient. We want healing uh, to be quick. What has the healing journey been like for you? Probably neither linear nor quick.
2: That's right. It, it has been very daily. But I think the the gifts that are tucked in any healing journey for me is because I was suffering from the death of my marriage. I was forced into getting really serious about my emotional health and even about my spiritual health to an even higher degree. And so it forced me to go to counseling, counseling that I probably needed for as long as as I could remember in my life, but Mm. I just wasn't compelled to go until I was in the healing process and I knew I needed help.
1: Well, I see that you're a fan of something I'm a big fan of, which is boundaries. Can you share about how important that is and maybe give believers permission to have them?
2: Right. Well, sometimes we think of boundaries as this terrible, awful way to shove other people away or... uh, Tactic to try to punish someone, manipulate them, control them, and we know ultimately we can't change another person. So if that's our view of boundaries, then we're going to shy away. And, you know, my personality type craves peace a lot. And so boundaries were always complicated for me, and I wasn't sure that um, boundaries were okay for a Christian woman. So as I started studying boundaries in the Bible, I realized that boundaries are not just a good idea, they're actually God's idea. As a matter of fact, the first conversation that's recorded in the Bible that God has with a human, He picks the topic of a boundary. And so I started to gain the biblical confidence and the emotional fortitude to realize that boundaries are not this awful thing that destroys relationships. Boundaries are actually an effective communication tool to help us avoid the extremes in a relationship. One extreme being, I'm just going to take it and take it and take it and never say what's hurting me or frustrating me, all the way to the other extreme where I hit a spot, I just can't take it anymore, and I peace out. So boundaries help us avoid extremes, come back to the middle, and have healthy conversations about we can and cannot give, what we will and will not tolerate, and what we are able to do and what we are not able to do. Those kind of conversations are crucial for healthy
1: relationships. That's awesome. I'm, you, you, you've blown my mind because I've never considered um, what you reference in the book of Genesis as, as as a boundary, as a God example of something that I have the ability to do in my life. I never saw it that way. Wow.
2: Well, another favorite place in Scripture is when God established the temple. He gave certain people certain access, but not all people all access. And it wasn't because one group of people was more valuable than the other. It's because the greater access you were granted, the more responsibility you had to demonstrate. And those two words became really important as I assessed my life and where my need for boundaries was. And that is to the level that we give someone access to our capacity, our financial capacity, emotional capacity, um, physical capacity to the act, to the level that we give someone access to our capacity is to the level that they need to demonstrate equal amounts of responsibility. But if we're giving people access to our capacity and they are not demonstrating responsibility, the distance between like level 10 access that we may grant them and level 3 responsibility that they're demonstrating, the distance between those two is chaos. And where there's chaos, there is a need for a boundary. Mm. Now, obviously. My natural inclination is, well, let me put a ba- boundary on this level three responsibility person and force them to change. But we know we cannot force another person to change. Instead, a healthier practice is to draw a boundary around ourselves to keep ourselves self-controlled, sane and stable, and also safe, and reduce the access that we grant people down to their demonstrated level of responsibility.
1: Wow, that's brilliant. All right, I'm making notes here. I understand, too, that you've got some tips for us about navigating hard conversations, especially uh, when the emotions are running high.
2: Yeah. So one thing that my counselor, Jim Crest, taught me is prepare in times of strength for times of struggle. And so I found I just wasn't able to have my best conversations, and certainly I wasn't able to have boundary conversations when the intensity of a conflict was very present and fresh. And I didn't want to be so reactionary. So in the book, I give lots of scripts for people to use so that they prepare in a moment where there isn't that emotional intensity and maybe even write a script out. And again, they could follow my script or change it to match their circumstances, but at least they have something written out so that when the moment of struggle comes, they knew that in a moment of strength that they prepared a healthy way to communicate what needs to be communicated.
1: Well, certainly we know that we are supposed to obey God. That's a given, but I feel like sometimes there's a disconnect when we find ourselves in challenging situations. We kind of forget about that obedience thing.
2: Yeah, so especially when you're in a season of trauma, it can make you feel like I just don't even have the energy to to pay attention to being obedient to God because I'm just trying to survive or maybe we're in a season where we're frustrated because we can't hear from the Lord and what I like to say is go back to the last time you clearly heard from the Lord what did he say did you obey him there because our job isn't to try to figure out what to do in life and 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 figure out like how to fix things that's God's job so my job is to be obedient in the daily Present small ways that are in front of me, so my job is to be obedient to God. God's job is everything else
1: mm, mm, I love that well, certainly, we live in a in a world of sound bites, and that's why I guess I love the podcast arena too and and long form radio to be able to have conversations. But if you were to to boil it down to a nugget, a little something uh to share with one person right now in a few moments, what would you feel led to say?
2: I would say boundaries were never meant to shove other people away. Boundaries were meant to help hold us together so that we can stay sane, safe, and self-controlled. And the subtitle of my book really says it best. It's Good Boundaries and Goodbyes. And then the subtitle is Loving Others Without Losing the Best of Who We Are. And sometimes I think We start demonstrating the worst of who we are when we're in a relationship where there's chaos or toxicity or dysfunction, and it brings out the worst in us and who wants to live with the worst version of themselves. So boundaries allow us to love others without losing the best of who we are.
1: I love that. So much wisdom. And they they always uh, give us a list of quotes, and I guess I just gravitated to this one because it really spoke to me when you said, God loves you too much to answer your prayers at any other time than the right time and in any other way than the right way.
2: That's right, because sometimes when we look around and we see God answering prayers for other people, but we feel so hurt that He's not answering our prayer, it can start to feel like we serve a God who either doesn't care about us or who really isn't there with us. And, you know, the the truth is we don't serve a do-nothing God. God is always doing something, and that something is always pointed in the direction of good, even if it doesn't feel good right now. And so what I realized is instead of thinking that God's abandoned me and He's not answering my prayer, what I now say to myself is, God loves me too much to answer my prayer at any other time than the right time and in any other way than the right way. I don't want God to follow my plan. You know, it'd be so easy to make suggestions to God and then try to hold God accountable to what I want or what I feel like a good God should do. But that'll just diminish my faith. A much better plan is for me to turn it all over to the Lord and trust I will suffer less the more that I press into the sovereignty of God and the goodness of God.
1: Mm, mm I love that. It, it makes me think sometimes that I feel like I've probably been guilty of trying to manipulate the Scripture that talks about that God will give you the desires of your heart. Like, oh, I, I, I must want this. It must be God's will. But that's not really what that verse means.
2: Yeah, I think the more we are surrendered to, you know, thy will be done. Like, trading our will for thy will because we're so confident God will. Now, that doesn't mean that we, you know, can't lament and complain to God. You know, I think the practice of lament is really important. We can pour out our heart all of our suggestions, all of our hurts and pains. God is big enough to handle it. But then at the end of the day, we will suffer a lot less the quicker we trust the sovereignty of God and just say, I don't know what God's doing, but He is doing something, and I need to trust Him.
1: We're catching up with Lisa Turkhurst and focused on her new book, You're Going to Make It, 50 Morning and Evening Devotionals to Unrush Your Mind, Uncomplicate Your Heart, and Experience Healing Today. Lisa, in our final moments, one more nugget?
2: One thing I want to leave people with is the reason I wrote both of these books is not because I feel like I did it perfectly and not because I feel like I'm, you know, a profound person who offers a lot of advice, but what these books will do for you is I'm a person who really struggles with boundaries and I'm a person who really struggles with healing. And because of that, I wanted to step into the space of saying, Hey, I'm right there with you. Sometimes I think when people pick up a book, more than being taught, they want to be understood. And then the more they understand that you've experienced the depth of their pain, the more they'll trust your advice. So I do give advice, and I do share experiential wisdom. But mostly, I start both of these books by just simply saying, me too.